In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I wish you all a very blessed feast of nativity and a happy new year. The incarnation of the Son of God was not a reaction to the fall of Adam and Eve, but it was in the economy of God even before the foundation of the world. Before God actually created the world, in his economy, he planned the incarnation of the Son of God. And this was actually the plan of the Holy Trinity together. As Archangel Gabriel said to Saint Mary, the Holy Spirit will dwell upon you, the power of the Most High, the Father, will overshadow you, the babe who will be born of you, the Son of God, will be called Jesus. Why God actually planned before the creation of the world? Why he planned the incarnation of the Son of God? Of course, God foreknew that the humanity will be deceived and the humanity will fall. So God made an economy to save the humanity. As Archangel Gabriel said to Joseph, when Joseph was reluctant to take Mary, his betrothed, he told him, don't be afraid to take your wife Mary, because she conceived by a babe who is the son of God, and you shall call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The first blessing that God came in order to save us from our sins. He carried our sins on the cross. As John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. He carried our sins on the cross, and he died on the cross, and offered himself as a ransom for our salvation, in order to save us from our sins, from the penalty of death, from the bondage to Satan, from the darkness of corruption into the light of the fellowship with him. We were created in the image of God and in the likeness. But after the fall of Adam and Eve, we lost this image. We lost the likeness. That's why the Son of God came also to restore in us the likeness and the image that we lost. And the restoration of the image that we lost happens in the baptism. Because in the baptism, when we renounce Satan, now we are transferred from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of the Son of God. As St. Paul said in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. 
when we put on Christ, that is the restoration of the image. We were created in the image of God after his likeness. Also, St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But still we sin because of our weakness. So the full restoration of the humanity into the image of God and the likeness of God will happen in the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the second coming, there will be full restoration. And St. Paul mentioned this in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21, when he said, Who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. He will transform this body to be conformed into his glorious body. So this image that we received in baptism will be transfigured gradually toward the perfect image which we will receive it in the second coming of Christ. This gradual transfiguration for our image, St. Paul mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, when he said, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We will be transfigured gradually from glory to glory. But how? When we stand before God. The more time you spend with God, the more you will be transfigured. That's what St. Paul said. But we all with unveiled face, unveiled face there is no veil. And what is the veil is the sin that separates us from God. So when we repent, then we will stand before God with unveiled face. And beholding as in a mirror the glory of the, of the Lord, when we stand in prayer, when we study the scripture and read the scripture, when we praise God in all this activity, we are beholding the glory of God with unveiled face. What will happen? will be transfigured from glory to glory. He will change our figure, our image, from glory to glory to that image. That is the blessing number two. Number one, he will save us and redeem us from our sins. He is the ransom who came and paid our penalty and carried our sins and died on the cross to save us from our sins. That's why his name is Jesus, which means Savior. Blessing number two, the restoration of the image that we lost it with the fall of Adam and Eve. So now he is restoring our image and the perfect restoration will happen in the second coming of Christ.
The third blessing of the incarnation is the healing of our nature from the corruption and from death and we have victory over the sin. The incarnation of the Son of God made him united with our human nature. The divinity is united with the humanity without mingling, without confusion, and without alteration. As we say in the Theotokia, Theotokia means praises to Saint Mary or veneration to Saint Mary of Thursday. We say about Saint Mary, she gave in full all the form of humanity to the Lord, the Creator and the Logos of the Father. She gave in full the whole humanity. So the Lord Jesus Christ took perfect humanity. He is perfect human and perfect divine. And these two natures are united together in a mystical way, without mingling, without confusion, and without alteration. At the moment in which the divinity was united to our humanity, at the same moment, the humanity was cleansed from all corruption. Because it is impossible that the corrupted nature will remain with the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the moment of the union, when the divinity took this humanity, the perfect humanity, he cleansed our humanity from the corruption. And now, when we partake of his body and his blood in communion, the Eucharist is called the life-giving flesh. What will happen? He actually cleanses our humanity from the corruption. And we become without corruption. We become new creation. This nature, new nature, that we received in baptism, every time we sin, it became defiled. The renewal of this nature is in communion. That's why at the end, Abuna says, give for us, for salvation, remission of sins, and eternal life to all those who partake of him. He came to save us and to redeem us from our sins as a ransom. He came to restore the image that was corrupted by the fall of Adam and Eve and to heal the humanity from the corruption and from the death and from the sin. The fourth blessing of the Incarnation is to restore the fellowship with God. Before the fall, there was reconciliation, peace between humanity, Adam and Eve, and God. But after the fall, the sin made a barrier, a veil, separated us from God. That's why in the Old Testament, they were worshipping facing west. Now we are facing east. Why they were worshipping facing west? If you study the tabernacle of meeting, the door was from the east side. And the holy of the holies was in the west side. Why? 
Because as we read in the book of Genesis, the Garden of Eden was in the east. So now when they were praying in the Old Testament, as if they are giving their back to the Garden of Eden, to the east, and looking at the west, as a sign of enmity with God. There is no reconciliation yet. But now, after the Lord Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and reconciled us in him with God the Father, so now we are worshipping toward the east. And the meaning of this, we are reconciled with God in the Son. St. Paul explained this in Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 14 to 18 when he said, For he himself is our peace. The Lord Jesus Christ is our peace, who has made both one. Both here he is referring to the Jews and the Gentiles, because there was enmity between the Jews and Gentiles. The Jews were the chosen people of God. The Gentiles were worshipping idols. But now after the incarnation, God opened the door to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles joined the family of God. So the Lord Jesus Christ made both the Jews and the Gentiles one, those who believe in him, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. In the temple, there was a court called Court of the Gentiles. So the Gentiles cannot cross it to the court of the Jews. So there was a middle wall of separation. God knocked down this middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the enmity between the Jews and the Gentiles to create in himself one new man from two. Both of us, the Jews and Gentiles, like St. Mark was Jewish, Peter was Jewish, John was Jewish, we are Gentiles. These two became one man, the body of Christ. All of us were the body of Christ. A new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. He reconciled on the horizontal level the Jews and the Gentiles together and then both of them he reconciled with God the Father in his body, in the cross. So the vertical dimension, our reconciliation with God the Father. The horizontal dimension is the reconciliation between the Jews and the Gentiles. Thereby, putting to death the enmity, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off to the Gentiles and to those who were near, the Jews. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. This is beautiful, that he restored our relationship with one another and restored our relationship with God the Father. That's why the angels glorified God and said, Peace on earth, because he is our peace. 
and re- he reconciled us with God and reconciled the man with his brother. And now actually, while we are celebrating the Feast of Nativity, and the angels chanting and singing peace on earth, are we in peace with one another? Are families in peace with one another? Or families together? Or with other people? Or there is conflict and the middle wall of separation still exists. If you are celebrating the nativity of Christ, this middle wall of separation should be knocked down, should be broken down. Otherwise, this is not the feast of nativity. So he came to save us from our sins. He came to restore the image that we lost it. He came to heal our nature from the corruption. He came to restore our relationship with God the Father and with one another. And the last point, he came to restore the life of holiness and righteousness. Before Christ, it was impossible for anyone to live life of holiness. Yes, many people fought the good fight, like Elijah, like David, like Daniel, like Ezekiel. But all of them, they committed sins. And according to the law, if you break one commandment, you are guilty of all. And you are under sentence of death. So the holiness and the righteousness was like impossible before Christ. But after Christ, because he shed his blood on the cross. And he gave us means to cleanse ourselves from the sins and from any defilement. And not only that, but he sent us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us in order to bear the fruit of the Spirit and to be able to live a holy and righteous life. The Lord Jesus Christ came to restore the life of holiness and righteousness to humanity. As St. Peter told us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. I want to explain follow his steps. Follow his steps is not like when you follow another person walking in front of you. It doesn't mean this. But follow his steps means when you are united with Christ, in him you will walk the same steps. You will live the same life that he lived. So it is not... Christ walking and we are following him? No. Follow his steps. He did not say follow him, but follow his steps. Meaning, when I am abiding in Christ and he abides in us, in him I will walk the same steps that he walked. Also, he gave us the ability to fulfill the commandment through the Holy Spirit that we receive in the sacrament of chrismation. 
He gave us the word of God. And as St. Paul described the word of God in Hebrew chapter 4 and verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God has a powerful effect on us. It can transform us, can change us to live the life of holiness and life of righteousness. Now we can see at least, of course, there are many blessings of the nativity, but at least we spoke about five blessings for the birth of Christ. He came to save us from our sins. He came to restore the image that we lost through the fall of Adam and Eve. He came to heal our nature from the corruption. He came to reconcile us with God the Father and with one another. And he came to give us the ability to live holy and righteous life. When we say Christ is born, the reply is glorify him. Why we glorify him for all these blessings? Can you imagine the Son of God became man can you imagine God became a human being like us? The one who has no beginning and no end became on earth as if he has a beginning on earth. The one who is timeless, now he is under the boundaries of time. The one who is unseen and invisible now he became seen and visible. The one who is incomprehensible, now we can see him, can touch him, can talk to him. It's a mystery that beyond our imagination. And why he did all of this? Did he benefit for himself anything? It is all for us. It is all for our <coughs> this manifested to us his good will toward us his pleasure toward us his love and his compassion toward us that's why the angel said glory to God in the highest who made this economy when we reflect on all these blessings we glorify him glory to God in the highest and he came to restore the peace on earth. And through his incarnation, we saw his goodwill toward the men, his pleasure, his love, his compassion toward us. That's why indeed the heavenly hosts chanted and said, Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.